Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Today we're going to pick up the fruit of the Spirit. If you remember reading that, you'll know that it's in Galatians chapter 5. I said this last week, uh, the sermons in this particular series as we run to Easter are going to be one of two things, either kind of taking a thread and drawing a big chunk together, or uh, we'll try to press a little bit on a particular passage. Today is the latter of those two. We're going to press on this passage And um, there's a lot of information about to pop up on the screen. Uh, Feel free to get your phone out. Take a picture if you prefer. Uh, Sometime this afternoon, this evening probably, actually, because we're taking some stuff to some of our Afghan friends. But um, if you prefer, you can grab the sermon notes off of the website here. Um, uh, It'll be sometime this evening. Okay, Galatians chapter 5. If you're a user of the Bible app, feel free to open that app. Find our live event. Otherwise, um, here we go. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 16 and read down. Um, to 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Therefore, if we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. Okay, so we've got a couple of things here. Um, We've got the works of the flesh, which he gives us quite a list there. And then the fruit uh, of the Spirit. I just want to highlight a couple things. Um, Fruit is singular. Works, plural. Uh, These are many manifestations. Works, fruit, singular. Okay, that is a singular word there. It's not fruits of the Spirit. Fruit, ah, fruit, one. So this is, this is what God is doing in us. When, when the Spirit is at work in our lives, this is the kind of thing, this is the, the leading, if you will, to this kind of life. It is a singular um, thing. Now, we can hold it up and uh, spin it and see different aspects of it, see different facets of it, but it is a singular thing, fruit, fruit of the Spirit. And when we walk with him, this is the kind of thing that he does. Fruit is something that is produced through us versus something that we ourselves produce, like works. A self-centered life produces works of the flesh. A spirit-surrendered life produces the fruit of the spirit. Um, And I I would just say this, that, that because God has to be the one to do this through us, that doesn't release us from our responsibility. What is our responsibility? Simple. It's stay connected. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches, just abide, be connected, be connected to me. Um, What you cannot do, and then um, we're going to actually dig here what you cannot do, but there's so much coming. I'm trying to get through this intro quickly. Um, You can't take a peach and stick it on a stick. I mean, like tape it to a stick and go, look, a fruit tree. Can you? No, you can't. All you have is a stick with a peach hanging off of it. The life comes from inside, and the fruit is the result of that life. Everybody gets this, yes? So we're not manufacturing something. It's just simply our job to stay connected. That's our part. We stay connected. We let the Spirit of God go to work in our lives, 
Um, he says, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Um, uh, he says again down in uh, uh, 25, if we live by the Spirit, I mean, we, we have the idea that you and I are supposed to be just connected to what the Spirit of God is doing. And when we are connected, his life, the very life of Jesus that raised, in Romans 8, the very life that raised Jesus from the dead, this is what brings this kind of fruit out of us. We don't have to manufacture this, put it on a stick. This is not us. We instead um, let him produce this through us. So in light of all of that, but the fruit, singular, of the Spirit, his work in our life is, first of all, love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. What is love? It is God's unstoppable affection through Jesus, demonstrated in Christ, poured out on us. Romans chapter 5, um, the Spirit of God pours out his love. Um, God's unstoppable affection poured out on us that confirms that we are his kids. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So God's unstoppable affection, his full-on commitment in affection to us, to make us who he wants us to be, and uh, it, it is consistently poured out on us, and it confirms that we are God's children. But that's not really the thing that we're looking for, right? I mean, we want to know. I mean, that's good to know, and we'll do this throughout the, the question is not what is it, although it's good to know what it is. The question is, but what does that look like? What does, what does love look like? Does the New Testament have anything to say about love? Okay, a lot. A lot. And so I, I only want to touch on one of these, but just look at a list. I pulled these from one of the commentaries this, this uh, week. But what does it look like? Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, um, we're supposed to walk in love. So the very atmosphere of the Christian life is an atmosphere of love. So when people kind of come into our orbit, so to speak, uh, when people zip by and they kind of get pulled in gravitationally to us, they are pulled in by the love of God manifested in our lives and through us. Secondly, it is the very clothing of the Christian life, chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. And above all these things, put on love. Put on love. Put them up. Like uh, all this other stuff, that's good. We got all sorts of stuff listed in Colossians chapter 3. But above all this stuff, wear love. Put it on. Um, it is the underlying motive of the Christian. First uh, Corinthians 16, 14. Let everything be done in love. So everything that comes from our lives is done in love. Colossians 2, verse 2, the very soil of unity um, that we experience in Christ is love. So the, the thing the, from which unity grows is love. Meaning what? Do you see things differently than these folks over here? Absolutely. That's why you're sitting on two different sides of the room. Do, do, you, uh, do you cheer for one team and the, uh, these people over here cheer for another team? Sure, it's true. But the soil from which the thing that unites us grows. And church family, listen. Past two years has been a great opportunity to remind ourselves we have far more in common than we do that separates us. An eternity in common. A savior in common. A sacrifice and resurrection in common. It's that, that love from which unity grows. There's a whole different page here. Here's the second one. It is confirmation of the Christian life. Uh, if they, they will know that you are my disciples by how you vote. No. The kind of language you use. No. Uh, sharing something that says Jesus will bless you on Facebook. No. I mean, none of this. They will know you're Christians. How? 
by your love for one another. That's what it says. The path to maturity for the Christian, Ephesians 4, verse 15. So speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all things. So how do we grow up? Part of the way that we grow up is that we speak the truth to one another. A little advertisement here. Uh, one of the ways that we do this and encourage you to do this is be connected in groups so that you have people in your lives who can speak the truth and that you get to speak the truth to them. The ground for appeal is love. In Philemon chapter 9, excuse me, Philemon verse 9, uh, Paul speaks and, he, and he's, he's appealing um, on behalf um, of Onesimus and he's appealing in love. And this is the last one actually that I wanted to just spend a moment looking at. It's in the same chapter. It is the principle guiding the freedom that you and I have. Look back up to verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. So in that, I mean, can we just pause and let that settle in on us for a second? We were called to freedom. This is what Jesus has done for us. Only, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We were called to freedom. Make your choices. Under God's leadership, make your choices. But let that freedom be an opportunity to love, uh, excuse me, to serve one another in love rather than an opportunity for the flesh. That, that is the principle that guides our Christian freedom, our Christian liberty, love. Okay, here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Secondly, joy. The second facet of this beautiful, beautiful diamond this, uh, is joy. What is joy? Joy is this kind of resonant, settled excitement because God is in control, God is at work, and God is ultimately, finally, and definitively victorious. You, you want to know where Christian joy comes from? It is this resident, meaning like it is taking up, um, our, the address is our soul, and it is settled, meaning there is not anything that comes and steals it away. Resident and settled excitement because God is, A, in control. There is nothing outside of his purview today, folks. Ukraine, Taiwan, COVID, your stuff, my stuff, personal stuff, world stuff, big stuff, little stuff. How much of it is outside of God's control? Zero. God is in control. He is at work. And he ultimately, finally, fully, definitively is going to be victorious in that. That's a place right there. That's a place to sit down. It is a resonant, settled excitement. Okay, so what then does this joy look like as it expresses itself? What does this particular aspect of this fruit look like? Uh, number one, it is unperturbed uh, by tribulation or sorrow. I almost said undisturbed, but the truth is, is sometimes I think the reality is, is our joy does get disturbed. John the Baptist in prison. Um, it is unperturbed, meaning it's, it's not put off by this tribulation or sorrow. Why? Because we know that God is at work. And ultimately, and finally victorious. So Romans chapter 5 says, we rejoice in tribulations. Why? Tribulations are bringing forth perseverance. Perseverance bringing forth proven character. Proven character bringing forth hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. Meaning what? There are times when even, not, not just, not just, okay, God, I'm going to make it through this trial. I can rejoice in this trial. Why? Because you are doing things in me that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise if I wasn't in it unperturbed by tribulation or sorrow. And secondly, it enters into other people's joy. We rejoice with those who rejoice. Romans 12, verse 15. The second part is we weep with those who weep, but we rejoice with those who um, rejoice. What does that mean? Well, it is a genuine excitement for people's excitement. 
you don't have to fess up. Can we? Let's just try this, though. You're in a conversation with somebody. They're telling you a story. They're getting all excited about something good that has happened to them. And you think, that's amazing. I have a story that's even better than that. And you're like on the edge of your seat ready to... Anybody? You're not intending to one-up them. Some of you may be intending to one-up them, especially if they're, you know, your brother or something. But like, you're not intending to one-up them. But like, you've got an assignment that you want to share. Instead of what? Sitting back and going, dude, that is amazing. That is exciting. Like, that is the most incredible thing. I think that's unbelievable. Awesome. High five. Genuine engagement in their excitement. Genuinely excited because of their excitement. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. You're willing to enter in. It costs you something maybe, but you're willing to enter in. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. What's the next one? Peace. 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 Um, Hebrew word is shalom. Uh, the Greek word is arene, not that that matters to you, but you've probably heard of shalom before. That is a wholeness of life. What is it? It is a wholeness of life. There is a sense that everything in my life is integrated and working like it's supposed to. It's a wholeness of life, and that shows up where? In relationships. That, that's where peace comes, is in relationships. Peace with God, peace with others, peace with circumstances, peace with the future, peace with the past, whatever it may be. It shows up in relationships. The opposite of peace is disorder and confusion. Um, Those two things together, not one or the other, uh, because the world can be disordered and we can still be at peace. The world can be confused and we can still be rightly relating to it. But those two things together, that that is the opposite. That's the opposite of peace, um, that kind of wholeness, disorder and confusion. Um, What does it look like? What does it look like? It is a willingness and the working to keep the bond of peace. Ephesians 4 verse 3, be diligent, it says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Why would Paul say be diligent to preserve this? Because the enemy will come against it. The enemy will come against you and the wholeness that you um, have in relationship to any number of things. Again, maybe it's the past. Maybe it's the future. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe um, it's your own soul. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's the church. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your neighbor with the yippee dog. I don't know where it may be, but I promise you this. The enemy will come against it. And in particular, Paul says, listen, you're going to have to work. You will have to work to preserve this unity of the spirit. But what's going to happen is you will be at peace. Your life has a sense of wholeness. You stay connected to what the Spirit is doing. The Spirit is going to bear this through you. There is a wholeness of life that it will show up in relationship. We seek the wholeness of God in those, in all these different areas. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. Patience. Uh, The the um, old King James word is long-suffering. Anybody have that in their translation? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. You knew? Yeah. Long-suffering. It's, I mean, it's a good word. Right? Just, just think about long-suffering. It's one of the attributes of God that uh, God reveals himself to Moses when we preached through Exodus. We saw it up on the mountain. Um, but but here, here's what it is. It is a willingness to endure, to suffer long. Because of the big picture that's unfolding. 
Not because we are some sort of ascetic that is just willing to walk through the hardship, but because, God, we see you are painting a much bolder, bigger, more amazing picture than the one that we're seeing. Like, I've only got like this much of it, but I know, God, that there is a whole different picture out here. And because um, there is a big picture that is unfolding, I am willing to endure. I am willing to live um, in this moment uh, because of what is what else you are doing around here um, f- for me before I go on none of my kids are in the room for me where this unfolds the most where I get the opportunity to exercise this the most where the Spirit of God bears this through me the most or has the opportunity to is in parenting If you, if, if you have kids that are around, maybe you've had this before. Jenny and I were sitting uh, on a porch last, uh, yesterday. One of ours is out there, and I just look. I'm like, dude, we could have missed all of this. You know, like, unbelievable. Such a cool thing. And then, like, I mean, five minutes from then. Lord, are you sure... Do I need to get a demon cast up past like an exorcist? I mean, like, what needs to happen here? There are times when I have moments of failure in parenting because I forget the big picture that's going on in their lives. Anybody? So also, in the rest of our lives, we have a willingness to endure because of the big picture that is unfolding. What, What does this look like? Um, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 2, just the one before what we said. We bear with one another with patience because of the patience that was shown to us. So Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another um, in love. This looks like we bear with one another. What does that mean? It means that we quite literally walk with one another. We, we pick up the burdens of one another. We deal with one another. We let one another be who they are in their best moments and in their worst moments. And we keep going because of the big picture that is unfolding. Because I know that God's not done shaping you or him or her or them. God's at work. There's a big picture that is unfolding. And so we bear with one another. They don't think like me. They should, but they don't. They don't do it the way that I do it. My way is way better, but they don't. But I bear with one another with patience because God is painting a bigger picture. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Next, kindness. Kindness. Kindness is God's gracious attitude and action. Towards center. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, pretty clear. Do you presume upon God's kindness? And he goes through this. Don't you know that God's kindness is intended? Like it, it is the thing that God has that draws us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. God's gracious action and his attitude towards sinners. What does this look like in Ephesians 4, verse 32? It says this, be kind to one another. 
Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. We have a tenderness to one another. And if I can say so, part of our tenderness, the fruit of the Spirit is born. And we know that God's at work. And we know that uh, he has a gracious action, uh, attitude and action uh, towards these people who are in front of us that we are trying to be kind toward. We know that he's at work and there is a tenderness out in our heart that is born out in this relationship because of what we believe that God is doing. Are they broken? Yes. Are they struggling? Yes. Does some of their stuff blow back on us? Yeah. Are they doing the best they can? Yeah. Is that best enough sometimes? No. But we're tender towards them, a kindness. And church family, if you've got in your mind somebody, if you have in your mind somebody that you think to yourself, man, Maybe God has an opportunity to bear kindness through me for them. Can I ask you a question? If God's kindness is intended to lead them to repentance, what if his kindness through you is the tool that God uses to bring them to it? In our day and in our age, marked by outrage and frustration and assuming the worst of people and all this other kind of stuff, If you don't believe that's the case, I mean, really, just social media. But in our day and in our age, where that is, that is the, the primary mode of communication is to put people on blast. What, what if we, the Spirit of God through us, bore kindness toward people? And that was what drew them to himself. Because kindness is intended to lead them to repentance tenderheartedness toward one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness now, goodness. Goodness, thank you. I got a little excitement out there. That's what I'm talking about. Um, Goodness, goodness is the willingness to do far more uh, than what is required. And I just point you back to the Sermon on the Mount, which we did um, last year. The Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, uh, hey, if somebody requires you to go one mile, what are you supposed to do? Two. Now listen, um, there is a way to approach that that is just as wrong as going one mile. If somebody requires you to go one mile, go two. So you pick up the pack, you march mile one, you're like 5,280 feet. You march mile two, 5,280 feet, and you drop it at 5,280 feet part two? Is that what Jesus is talking about? No. You go the second mile because you are willing to do far more than simply what is required. There is a goodness in us, the very goodness that is uh, of Jesus in us that comes outward through us, a willingness to do far more than what is required. Goodness. It's that second mile. What does it look like? Well, it's a generosity of life, a generosity of life, the very antithesis to envy. So in the works of the flesh list, envy was one of them. This is the antithesis antithesis to that, a generosity of life. Now, um, when you hear generosity, most people think money. Yes, it does include that, but it's way more than that. Far more than that. A generosity of life where where you are consistently willing to give out of your goodness because of who um, God is. Uh, I I point you to um, Acts um, Uh, Chapter 20, where Jesus says, verse 35, um, Paul's quoting Jesus, and he says, Hey, listen, don't you know that it is better to give than to receive? 
That's not just money, folks. That's an entire life outlook that says, I could look at you and I could envy what you have. But it's far, far better to give than to receive. If, we're, if we believe Jesus on that kind of stuff, this is the kind of stuff that comes out of us, this goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Faithfulness. Um, faithfulness, uh, three words to identify here. Loyalty, trustworthiness, fidelity. Loyalty, trustworthiness, and fidelity. All of this faithfulness is rooted in God's faithfulness. The, the scripture probably that has seen me through more in life and ministry than any other scripture that I could, any other single scripture that I could point to is 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calls you and he will do it. Meaning, I don't have to do it. God's going to do it. Meaning, if God has said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Meaning, if I can hold on and watch and continue to walk with God as I do this, if I can continue to stay connected, then he will do it. So, with me, maybe with you, a kind of loyalty and trustworthiness and fidelity, um, this is what the Spirit of God bears through us. What does this look like? It looks like this. Uh, William Barclay was a commentator. Uh, This is what he said. This is a person... Um, who we rely on their service, depend on their loyalty, and accept their word. Person we rely on their service, hey, they did it. We depend on their loyalty. Man, if I ask them to do it, you know, they're going to do it. And I can accept their word. Oh, if they said so, guess what? They're going to. This is what faithfulness looks like as God bears this, the Spirit of God bears this through us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness. Um, Far from weakness, this gentleness is a strength in a um, humble um, submission um, to God's will. You think about a horse um, that has been saddled and bridled, and uh, that, that horse is powerful, man. It is powerful. But it is in submission to the person writing it. This is strength in humble submission to God's will. There are times when God's will will express itself in strength because of the indignation that it feels, all of that. I mean, this is not like, um, you know, you become weak like a noodle. This is strength. It is strength. That that. Indignation can turn into strength. What, what does it look like? What does it look like? In Titus chapter 3, verse 2, it looks like avoiding quarreling. That's one of the expressions of this. Kindness that avoids quarreling. Church family, can I just, like, in the name of Jesus, can I give us this? Um, we don't have to prove that everybody is wrong out there with our arguments. Like, they can just sit there and be wrong. We don't have to step into a quarrel that's not ours. Avoiding quarreling. Um, what does it look like? That, that's one of the things that it looks like. And, and you'd be surprised how much that allows us um, to continue the conversation when we don't have to find ourselves on the other side of it. Here we go. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you so much from the back row. Self-control is the life, this life where um, passions and desires are rightly expressed, meaning they are in their correct channels. The fire is burning in the fireplace, not in the middle of the living room, yes? 
fires are supposed to be in fireplaces, not in the living room, um, where they are rightly expressed and ruled instead of ruling us. That's what self-control is. The life where passions and desires are rightly expressed and ruled instead of them uh, ruling us. What does this look like? Uh, just give you two um, phrases here or one word in a phrase. Um, because of little ears in the room, chastity. Everybody understand what that looks like? Uh, self-control in the New Testament, so often tied uh, to chastity. That particular area of our life runs in its appropriate channel. And secondly, careful words. And I point you to Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. We read it last week, Matthew chapter 12, where he says, don't be fooled. Um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then a verse later, he says this in uh, 1236. He says, um, and listen, don't, don't miss this. We will give an account for every careless word that we type. I mean, speak. Typing too. We will give an account for every careless word word. So self-control expresses itself in these kind of two primary areas in the New Testament, chastity and careful words, careful words. Okay. Last thing on this, I just want to make three notes of application. The fruit of the spirit are these things. So what, what does, what does this mean? It is fruit. First of all, it is fruit that identifies the tree. You want to know if the Spirit of God is at work in your life. You look for these um, kinds of things. People think, oh, well, I mean, I know some other people who are loving. That's true. That's true. But the life, as we said earlier, the life comes from the inside. This is the work of God in our lives. And listen, church family, there is an assurance that comes with this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God is at work on the whole spectrum of this, bringing this to bear in our lives. And when we see these things, or when other people, most likely, when other people say they see these things in our lives, we should take that as assurance that God is at work. It's fruit that identifies the tree. Some of you are smart enough to know what an apple tree looks like just by itself. I'm not. You know how I know if something is an apple tree? You're right. <laughs> Secondly, fruit is what others see that makes the tree attractive. When you see an apple tree, people don't walk up and go, God, that is the nicest leaf I've ever seen. Look at that branch. Holy smokes, that is some sort of branch. What do they say? That is an apple tree. Oh, man, look at that apple. That is an amazing apple. It, that is what makes this thing attractive. And finally, fruit. Fruit is what feeds others. It, it is the apple that comes from the tree that feeds others. It, it is what nourishes them. It is what satisfies them. It is what gives them strength. And so, love joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control is possible not only in our lives but also for the sake of others why is it possible because the spirit of god is at work in every christian in every heart that is surrendered to him the spirit of god is at work in us to bear these kinds of things so I'm setting this before you now with this closing thought. Those who belong to Christ, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus, they crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, 
If, if the life of God is in us, then let us walk by the Spirit. Let him bear these things through us. Let me pray. Um, Father, for uh, these moments here and the words that you've said and the things you've challenged us with, the places where you've maybe pushed us a little bit and uh, where we have um, maybe felt you put your finger on something. Um, I pray that you would simply make it clear, make it clear to us what we should do about that. How, how do we stay connected to you? What do we need to lay down What do you want to do through us? I pray, Father, for um, every person in here, those who've been walking with Jesus a long time, those whose faith is, is much, much newer, those who are um, on, a, on a pleasant part of their journey, and those who are really struggling right now. By your Holy Spirit, would you bear fruit through them and no matter whether it's easy right now or hard may that fruit not only draw others to yourself but genuinely feed them nourish them strengthen them use us God to do that in others this is what we pray now in Jesus name Amen